Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Welcome to To Boldly Watch. I'm one of your hosts, Becca Scott. I'm one I'm of the other hosts. hosts. No, me. <laughs> yeah, I'm you first. <laughs> All right. And I am Jake Michaels. Wait, did you just interject to say you first? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that wasn't my interjection. <laughs> I just resolved to let him go first. I could have fought him for it, but we only have so much time, right? And you have no honor. Like two brothers wrestling around in a muddy vineyard. <laughs> Listen, we've all been day drunk at the vineyard, getting a little <laughs> mud tussle <laughs> with the boys. It happens. I mean, a mud tussle with the boys is the number one way to make up with family in a survey. Yeah. That's right. It's family. The second episode of the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. And you are listening to To Boldly Watch. <gasps> this is a show where we watch Star Trek The Next Generation and talk about it and have a great time. This show is brought to you by Good Time Society. We're a production studio creating nerdy content about new games, tabletop RPGs, and more. This show is also brought to you by you. Me? You see, Patreon is a great way. You. <gasps> even you. Patreon is a great way to support the show and for any and all of the Good Time Society content you enjoy. Patrons receive benefits like early podcast access and exclusive patron talkback episodes. They also get all of these mistakes still in the edit. Oh, that's bonus. If you can't come if you can't commit to becoming a patron right now, no problem. You can help us out by showing uh, by following us on social media at Good Time Society and by joining the Discord. There's a link in the description. And now, let's talk about family woohoo wow what a great intro jake can you well tell done. this is the first time that i wrote copy for him <laughs> <laughs> it did sound like becca coming out of jake's mouth <laughs> <laughs> wow that was fun we gotta do Quick, that more often jake naked name an npc <laughs> a total human name walter winfrup okay <laughs> Wait, why? Yeah, just, why? I'm Oh, I just every time that Becca has to come up with a name, it's always like oh, Flipler, Flip uh, Gang. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, speaking of names, we were having a little bit of confusion of names before we started too. Is it Robert or just Robert? Right? Mm. Depends where you are. It's not Jean Luc. It's Jean Luc. Yeah, French is tricky, huh? I mean, <laughs> if, we had a few con contradictions between Robert and Robert, and then Louis and Louise and Louis. And then <laughs> Rene, Rene, like it's okay. Yeah, re, uh, yeah, it's it's Rene, right? Right. <laughs> okay, well, all of these can be true. You know, he's speaking English, and not this is French. The future. And this is the future. And when in, when in, when in, what, what's the name of this town? Labar. Labar. When in Labar, Louis do as the Labaronians do. <laughs> no, that's Jordy LaForge. LeBar Burton. <laughs> <laughs> no one really has a French accent. Did that maybe get lost in the 22nd century or something? Maybe, yeah. They did have English accents, but yeah. <laughs> the thing about casting that has evolved over time, and it's a really revolutionary idea, 
if you are casting someone to play a French person, you cast a French person. It's this new thing that we only started doing in the past like 10 years or so, three years or so. And um, they weren't held to those boring limitations. Wait, they're casting French people now? I got to get in on this. (laughs) How is your French accent? Not great, but my last name is Jean Array. Whoa. That's true. We've cast a Frenchman already. I mm. could be cast as a Scottish person for the there same reason. <laughs> and we all know that my Scottish is way up like uh, with the wee lasses. You know? Wow. Yeah. Way up with the wee lasses. So you needed to say wee lasses because you're confident in that phrase, right? Ooh. La la. No. I thought that was the only way I could possibly describe the, how good this accent is. It's, it's going places as it continues. You definitely become more masculine in your voice when you do it, too. It's a little so deeper. I've, I've studied an Irish accent, and I just I sort of do that but add lass in for Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> And you're going to make someone mad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's talk about Family, the episode, which takes place right after uh, this huge season premiere, which was The Best of Both Worlds Part 2. And we actually get one of the first times we get a further continuation kind of of that story, right? Because most of Star Trek at this point has been pretty serialized where they tell the whole story within the hour. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're breaking the format a little bit here. Also, this show called Star Trek had no space or aliens, like besides Worf and Guinan, I guess. But like, it was not focused on the space at all. Nope. Wow. You know what? I really like that about it. Right? (laughs) Wait, maybe I don't want a space show in space. (laughs) (laughs) But they're taking the freedom with these characters. It's Mm -hmm. more of an ensemble show. It's not a Riker show. It's, It's kind of a Picard show, but... We get just as much backstory with Worf, which was great to see, and with the Crusher stuff, which we really hadn't touched on before. It's yeah. been hinted at, but not really fleshed out. So to outline, there are three main storylines going on. Picard takes shore leave because the PTSD of being a Borg is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Crusher's belongings that were put in storage on Earth come out because we're in orbit around Earth. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, oh, maybe there's something there. And then the third one is Worf's parents' visit, which gets very little attention. And I thought there was going to be more going on there. And I feel like they cut a lot of it out. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Well- Oh, I, yeah. I feel like they, they kind of didn't do the Jack Crusher stuff until the very end, but everything felt fairly even to me. I, I was I loved all these stories. For Maybe I too. missed a scene. <laughs> I will have to say the, the wharf stuff with the parents, that stuff made me cry. Like, all the other stuff was good, and, and the Picard stuff is, yeah, whatever, but, like, the wharf parent stuff, that got me. I, it got me, too. They're just so sweet and, and so... genuine. Yeah. And they're hiding it a little bit, too, because they don't want to upset him, because they know how Klingon he is about yeah. <laughs> being confronted about his feelings. Yeah. Okay, so let's start at the beginning, right? Um, yes. We've returned from the encounter with the Borg. We're at Earth, and we are getting the... Uh, Enterprise re- retro or refitted after being in that battle, right? Yes. 
Yeah, and we get the classic, uh, I love this sort of banter between Troy and Picard, too, because you have that, like, counselor speak that she does. Uh, I love to do this stuff, kind of too, of like, oh, that's how you feel. Yeah. Or, oh, tell me more about that. And he's just like, I hate that shit. Or something he's so those. aware of it, because she's not coy about it. She's like, no. interesting, standing in yeah, the doorway. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I know you're implying I have family issues. Right. <laughs> I didn't invite you here. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing in my quarters? Yeah. The full-throated, like, like, I'm better. Can't you say, like, if you, if your patient is saying I'm better, chances are probably not. Yeah. It wasn't just family issues. It was, hey, can we talk about your serious emotional trauma that you went through when you yeah. were turned into a Borg? Right. And, and you haven't really let that out. Of course, you are finally taking vacation. Thumbs up. <laughs> but I think that she just needed something to do because it's like, this is what she wants is for That's him to true. take vacation for a yeah. long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. And now she's like, hold on. Wait You're taking vacation. Yeah. Also, just as a meta point for anybody that's following along, this is pretty much uh, could be considered the pilot episode for Picard later on. Yeah. So this is sort of what the one you would watch before you would watch Picard, the series. Yeah, these relationships come up in future Star Trek episodes, too, even prior to Picard. Um, Mm -hmm. This is this was super fascinating at the top because, like, let's just looking at the episode like like Xander mentioned, there's no like Jeopardy. There's no aliens. Mm-hmm. There's no monsters. And there's no, no sci-fi story. Uh, just so some quick behind the scenes, Gene Roddenberry did not want this episode to happen. Uh, when it was get out. When it was it's no. such a Gene Roddenberry episode. Uh, well, here's well, interesting. Why do you say that? Because he's always been concerned about the relationships rather than the the space stuff. But he, I thought he was always about thinking that relationships are solved in the future like utopia is like interpersonal dynamics aren't an issue anymore let's go find aliens and figure out their issues you know what you're right well and so he stuck with that mentality he's like there's no jeopardy here there's no alien this this isn't star trek and honestly he's right in that regard it's not star trek and he's like i don't think we should make this and so the producer's like all right writer continue writing we'll talk to gene and apparently it still got made and i think gene is technically right but this is still such a good episode and it's good to try new things in a show like star trek so i'm glad they broke the formula and they did this exploration because i thought it was one of the most rewarding episodes yet in a lot of ways it, it's a foundational episode because this is where we get the crusher lore the uh wharf backstory at all and we deep dive into Picard stuff and so it's really fleshing out everybody and that's I could see that you know it is sort of like a puff piece or like a recap in a way but it's new and interesting story it resolves something with everybody too yeah oh I yeah I, I really love the comedic casting um not that <laughs> they're just the, the Worf's parents are so over the top yeah. human love bugs yeah, that are just yeah. like our son is perfect <laughs> it is the least expected thing mm. except in the sense that he is more mushy gushy than other klingons right this is atypical based on what we know about Worf's personality in a vacuum which is yeah, such yeah. a brilliant choice is to give him these sweet mm. loving parents who are like He's even when he's talking to O'Brien in the beginning, he's like, Ugh, I have to deal with my parents on the starship. And O'Brien's like, I get it. And I love that aspect of this, that they're they're troublesome in a loving way. Right. Uh, these two actors, Theodore Bickle and Georgia Brown, were actually both already well known in Yiddish theater. They were like 
hugely oh. comic actors in that in that world, and this is their first Star Trek appearance, as a matter of fact. Ah. Amazing. Yeah, I love the very that like Jewish family full of love yeah, yeah. mentality. It paints the picture of how wonderful his childhood was. Yeah. Well, let's let's set up what's exactly going on. So, right before this Riker is uh making sure short leave is all going well and Worf comes in telling him everything's good. Is that the only appearance of Riker in this episode? Not only is that the I think the only appearance of Riker. You know who we're missing in this episode? Data. Data. And I think Jordy doesn't appear either. This is Jordy. Shore leave. This is the only episode of Star Trek The Next Generation that doesn't have Data in it. Whoa. Oh. No wonder it was mm, lacking. <laughs> no, uh, uh, it's also one of the few episodes there are no scenes on the bridge, as a matter of fact. Interesting. Wow. Mm -hmm. The bridge went on shore leave. <laughs> uh, but when Worf comes in and uh, tells him that everything's uh, good to go, Riker is like, "Are you, you see that your parents are on the list. And he's like, my parents are what? coming. <laughs> parents aren't supposed to be on the ship. And Riker's like, well, this is not a Klingon ship. They're, we are allowed to have parents on board. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody else has guests. A bunch of people come on board all the time. You, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> and then Michael Dorn does a great performance of, like, trying to bottle his frustration and not kind of explode a little bit when he's like, I have this dishonor that I have to deal with and I, they won't understand. Just like you don't understand other humans. <laughs> like, right. He did such a great job this episode uh, the whole way through. I really love Michael Dorn's performance. Same. I don't think that I, his performance is always great, but I like the parents. I just did it. I feel like I'm missing a scene. Maybe I zoned out because I feel like there wasn't a conflict that was resolved for me. It's the thing is, is they don't really bring it up until the middle. Well, it's mentioned, but not really addressed until the middle. Right. Which is remember, he's been uh, discommodated from the Klingon Empire. Right. He's his right. family is is dishonored because he took yeah. a hit for his father on the Kittimer business. Right. So. They know that. They read his letter to them or whatever, and they're not bringing it up. Dinky dinky. Yeah, mm -hmm. And they're not bringing it up, and he's not bringing it up. And then when he mm -hmm. leaves them alone in 10 Forward, they both talk about it. They're like, we got to somehow mention this to him. And of course, exactly. someone wise Guinan. is there to help us with it. Guinan, right? So mm -hmm. good. If uh, someone could present some guidance. And she does. It's such a perfect thing, too. We just kind of like cut over to the window and there she is standing there she's like you know people come and stare out this window sometimes <laughs> just like here, here we go it's so meta and that's yeah, my yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is she sits at the bar all day waiting for someone to go out the look out the window for a while she's like gotta go offer uh -huh. some guidance yep here we go that's that's when I'm needed. Yeah. Um, let's actually, maybe let's try doing this episode with each storyline. So let's go through the war sure. storyline throughout it, right? Because that seems to yeah, be yeah. the one that's the shortest in, a, in its own route. So with with Worf and his parents, like, trying to bond, I guess, because it's, it's another one of those dichotomies where he's the Klingon, they're the humans, they can't understand, he can't understand, vice versa. But it's different in that we don't see their relationship prior, we just know about it. Yeah. And it's it was an interesting thing too to see 
um, the, that Michael Dorn was changing how Worf would uh, interact with the parents too, because you could genuinely see that care and the veneer, because of course Michael Dorn is a human, so he knows <laughs> what it's like to grow up as a human of switching from like the gruff Klingon that's uh, the security officer or the chief or whatever, the head of security, to the boy that was brought up by these two. Yeah. No, mom, I want a Klingon stuffed animal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You get a real insight in there. <laughs> I like the touch that when he was growing up, we had to yeah. do everything all Klingon. I learned to make rock knock blow blood pie. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then they bring that back later on where he asks for it. But this was the point where I just thought they were, I, I also got moved, Xander, which is just like, they're so sweet. They went out of their way not only to adopt this Klingon who was orphaned, but they, they tried to give him as much of his home life as possible, despite not being mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, on Kronos. All right. Hot take. Worf's a brat. Yeah. And I'm sure that's what they got when they're like, are you sure you want to adopt this Klingon? Like Klingons are a lot to handle. This this one's going to be a handful. I mean, Klingons are brats in their own way. They're brats about honor. They won't give up on it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I guess me too. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. Um, Going along that uh, for just glancing at my notes, I remarked that there was that cool mirror shot of Worf. And also he has like a barber chair in his quarters. (laughs) For some I reason. thought it was a workout thing. Oh, I thought it was like a Klingon chair. Like it. It's like yeah, it's... I think that's the intention. But uh, because it had that like round mirror, but it was a really cool like camera shot because we could see Worf, and then it would it would move over, and we saw the parents, but we saw no camera. So it was uh, the whole thing shot in that circular mm-hmm, mirror. Mm-hmm. That was cool. You know, mirror shot is ambitious, mm-hmm. and love when they go out on limbs with the camera work. Yeah. Which they do a lot. This episode yeah. was nominated for an Emmy Award for Outstanding Cinematography. <gasps> and it, it should win, have yeah. been. Oh, It did not win. Thank you, Becca. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm just I assuming. What won. Uh, I don't know that year. I'll, we, we need to go watch that and do a podcast on it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever singular episode of TV that was. <laughs> New podcast idea. We watch Emmy-nominated episodes of television specifically for cinematography. <laughs> Even though none of us are cinematographers, we yeah. will become them through this study. There you to go. To boldly outshoot Star Trek. <laughs> Not hard, no. Just kidding. <laughs> Before we leave that Guinan scene, you know, they they tell Guinan what they did for Worf when he was growing up, and she's like impressed by them. Even she's like, a lot of parents could learn from you too. Yeah, like, yeah. Even she's touched by this, right? Um, what are Guinan's parents like? Do they exist they in this timeline? Is she thousands of years old? Yeah, are they gods? She is her own mother. We don't oh. know how Elorians reproduce, so that could all of these could budding. be valid answers. I yeah. vote for budding. <laughs> the most interesting way one can reproduce. You have well. a thought, and it enters the sea, <laughs> and then it bubbles forth as a new life form. Oh, speaking Whoa. of bubbling forth, she mentioned prune juice, which was she a callback did. to when he first tried it with her, right? Yep. In season and it's like, two. why didn't you ever give Worf prune juice? And they're like, what? Why would we? <laughs> I appreciate those little nuggets of uh, rewards for people who were like paying attention for the rest of the series. Yep. Especially because you said it was like a serialized thing that didn't need to be. Yeah. I, I feel like they're, th- and this must be the, one of the first episodes where they're doing it, but they're really creating uh, a, a new universe and not just a serialized show, right? Like, yeah. 
I mean, we've said it already, but like just the fact that there is no real plot beyond these three character development things was so unlike everything they've done. And yeah. I love this bold choice. Um, so Yeah, because normally there would be uh, the ship is also heading towards a diplomatic exchange and we need to figure out how we'll talk to the aliens. And that wasn't needed. And also Data's pregnant somehow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everybody's Dirty pregnant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, there actually was in the because of Roddenberry's hesitations, there were a few um, subplots that involved people disappearing or a child stowaway or something. But they were all scrapped in the end to just make room for everything that they eventually left in there. Because um, I just don't think it would work. Like if we had another like weird disappearance or like phase out, phase in of certain people, it's like I don't want that. Like then yeah. the other stuff's not going to be as important. So it was really good they slice that out this potential child stowaway were they an uncle of someone maybe probably <laughs> i think i think character. some of the plot points they tried including people disappearing do get played on later in the season and used in other ways ah i we'll see. see the next one that's sort of like the shorter storyline would be the crusher stuff mm -hmm. because like becca mentioned now that we're orbiting earth to give picard a break uh, Beverly Crusher is like, oh yeah, I've got this whole kit of things that were Jack Crusher's stuff. Let me get that out of storage and just see what's in there. And finds a little like hollow message to Wesley. Did she say anything about it before it arrived? Because they, she was talking with Troy about something I don't recall. And then the delivery. Was it because two women were talking? <laughs> oh! And I don't think it was about a man. It was just white noise to me. Actually, I can't hear that frequency. <laughs> Interesting. No, I think the first time we see her in the episode, she's opening up uh, this silvery briefcase because that's how storage units work in the future. Mm -hmm. But uh, I just w was thinking about something interesting. You said, Xander, like they're just orbiting the Enterprise around Earth right now for Picard. Like we all, hey. we will all hang out and drive around the block while you hang out with your friends. Yeah, is a weird thing. I guess cabinet captain saved up a lot of shore leave because it's totally. not usually his thing. And if but it he's is a like the one time he's like, guys, I think I need to go home. Everyone's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> if he's saying that, let's do well, this. To be oh, fair, y'all, they did end the last episode at Earth. Remember, because they were saving the Borg from invading the Soul oh, System. Right, and then, Sector zero zero one. And then in the very beginning of this episode, they're attached to this space dock thing where they're getting, getting repaired. repaired so that's that's, right. the, okay. that's the excuse to have everybody there but you're right thank you Becca. for solving my tangent well your tangent mm -hmm. is also still valid because he's the only one that leaves everybody else's right. scenes are on the enterprise right all of jack crusher stuff is well, on the enterprise said, yeah no that was picard's choice yeah. he said no i don't want to run into anybody down there i don't want to think about work y'all gotta <laughs> stay on this planet john luke are you sure yeah yeah everyone no safe. one goes to i Earth. will be at a vineyard in france and none of you can come near my planet while i'm there just in case you'll taint the wine the reason i mention i don't know what they're talking about at the beginning is because i don't think she mentions jack in the beginning but they show again jack's presence because she gets the delivery she yes. puts the box down and then she opens the lid and the camera pans says, down to show lieutenant commander jack crusher yes. and then she pulls out the uniform so we're kind of we figure that out on our own a little bit again cinematography and like maneuver. a lacy veil maybe they were talking about i don't know how their gel nails absorb their hair color or something it's true it happens <laughs> they did not pass the bechdel test because i just read on memory alpha what they were talking about they were talking about their plans to visit Angel Falls in Venezuela with oh. Riker, 
Troy Riker. Yeah. Wah, wah. So close. Ooh, but cool purple lighting in their room when they do it. <laughs> mm. And we do see like a scene between uh, Troy and Crusher, which is nice. I mean, it's few and far between, but it's nice to see establish that they are friends and colleagues and, you know. They drink together every night for sure. Yeah, what yeah. was that cocktail? They have Margarita Tuesdays. <laughs> right. It's all synthahol, it's fine. Oh yeah, that's margarita true. Margarita Tuesdays. <laughs> Is that a weird day for margaritas? I don't know. I, don't know. I guess Mondays make Mondays more make sense. alliterative sense and tacos on Tuesdays, but I'll, we'll drink on either day. It's fine. Well, yeah. So Margarita Monday, Taco Tuesday, but you also have margaritas with yeah. the tacos. Mm-hmm. So I sure, guess it's sure. a tacos it's margarita and margaritas is the problem every yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then repeat. <laughs> Do they anyway. have days of the week in this star year? There's they star have dates. Po- uh, decimal points, right? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. She opens it up. <laughs> she opens up the suitcase and finds Jack's uniform and then a book called How to Advance Your Career Through Marriage, which was his proposal Just... gift. <laughs> very fun. <clears throat> very, maybe it's very for the best toy. that things ended up how they did. Yeah, maybe goodness. it's for the best that he just died tragically when his baby was a boy. That's it was a joke because they didn't even have yeah. books at that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Where do I download this to read it? Yeah. <laughs> you open it up and it's just a USB stick inside of a box shaped like a book. How do I plug this in? I can't remember which of you two made this point in the first season, but lots of data pads happened at the very beginning of this episode right. with Crusher or with uh, Riker and he handed one to someone. He's like, go send this to engineering. I'm like, she has to walk all the way down to engineering for that. Yeah. What's the point of it being data? They need those tubes that bank drive-throughs used to have. Yeah, oh, vacuum tubes. Automatic vacuum tubes. They're definitely on there. And it's how you travel in Futurama. That is the uh, turbo lift. Mm-hmm. That's it's all people that, that tubes. Is. Oh, missed opportunity for that to be a slide. <laughs> okay, on my ship. Yeah, but this. It doesn't really get resolved. It's mostly about Dr. Crusher going back and forth on whether to give this to Wesley or not because she makes the point of like, he's already gotten over this. I don't want to reawaken old feelings or reopen old wounds. What should I do? So this was really, it wasn't about Wesley. It was about like a mother's uh, like coming across this, this sensitive thing. Like what, what do I do in this situation? Which would totally be relatable to anybody watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except this plotline also didn't get much attention or love, in my opinion. Uh, This episode is all about the Picard brother situation, which we'll get to. And I could watch for days because it's beautiful and it's in rural France. (laughs) Yeah. But what the real culmination, of course, she's going to show him the video and we should talk about the the climactic resolution of daddy in the holodeck. (laughs) Oh, that he's hot. (laughs) He's all right. There's like the first angle of him, I'm like, oh, but then there's like another angle, then I'm like, oh, okay. okay I'm this is the same episode where Picard wears another one of his low cut tunic, like yeah. wide open Romeo shirts <laughs> with really great, like, I don't know how you describe that pant. It's right, got the like harem a harem pant. A harem <laughs> pant. Thank it's you. It's really good. So we'll get to that, but yeah. like, and mm, the mud wrestling. Everything else is is dulls in comparison. Sure, sure. You guys yeah, love this so episode this... for different reasons. <laughs> the hair would pick Jack Crusher out of bed. <laughs> so, so Daddy Boy Jack, Daddy Boy Jack yeah. Crusher, uh-huh. yeah, is is the a baby. Name. He's a baby face. He looks almost 
Wesley's age. I think that was intentional. A great choice. Yeah. I love yeah. that choice. Yeah, it makes you think, what did what did Dr. Crusher look like at this point? Um, right. Yeah. And, and um, baby Wesley is only 10 weeks old at the time of this recording. And... What a weird thing for him to do. Like, oh, I will do these all the time, but I'm just oh. going to record a message about, like, what a good father I want to be for you to watch in 18 years when I definitely think I'll still be alive. I disagree because this was at, like, the height of the 90s craze of the camcorder. They had just introduced, like, the VHS recordable camcorder, and dads went nuts. They were uh, speaking as everyone who had one. Uh, like, you'd record everything. Because yep. it wasn't as novel as it is now with, like, a phone that's able to record yeah. video. It was like, I'm going to take video diaries, and especially my child can see this when the... VCRs will definitely still be. A I thing. remember <laughs> my child must see how cute I was <laughs> right. back then, or how cute they were, honestly, because that's yeah, what yeah, a lot yeah. of our VHSs were like videos of us as kids and Christmas and all that stuff. But you're right, Xander. It, yeah, this was exactly. like at the time when it was becoming possible for people to have these at home, because really they were very expensive mm -hmm. for the '80s, and then they finally came down to where people could actually rent video cameras. Did your parents ever rent right, video cameras? Right. Mine did. We owned one. Yeah, we eventually owned one, too. Yeah. I think probably we bought one in, like, the mid-90s or so. But, uh -huh. like, we definitely rented one at first. And I don't know if we rented For the one. kids back home watching this or listening to this podcast, these were so large. <laughs> they were an huge. An entire cassette tape could fit inside said camera. Mm -hmm. And had yeah. to. That was the only way to do it. Yeah, no conversion record. necessary, though. You take that object and you put it into your VCR player. How strange. Yep. It was like a full workout. <laughs> yeah, it really was. You're right, Xander, though. Dads loved this stuff. I remember <laughs> when I was, uh, they recorded my fifth birthday party. And then my brother and I, I think we took a nap or something because we were still obviously <laughs> young. And while we were asleep, my dad, very proud of this still, uh, took a shot of my mom sitting in a chair. And you can hear him in the background saying, all right, I'm going to make your mom disappear on the count of three. It goes one, two, three and then it cuts to the chair and she's gone and we had right. no idea how she did it but the chair was still rocking uh, uh -huh. we were like what <laughs> you didn't notice that jarring i mean we noticed the cut but he, he did it pretty smooth he did it pretty smooth uh, okay little in-camera editing by dad yeah. uh you're gonna have to digitize that old video okay. and put a link to it in the show notes Ooh, yes please Writing it down. Also, um, I'm going to need a quote from everyone about what you would say to your future child in this recording right now. Oh, God. How did you happen? <laughs> <laughs> Margarita Mondays, what can I say? You were not meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, segment over. <laughs> uh, son, daughter, or they, if you are re if you are listening to this, I'm already dead. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and uh, please, I need you to find my bones because among them, Avenge I have implanted uh, tracking devices. <laughs> and you're going to need those on the adventure I have in store for you. Once you've dug up my grave, there are seven envelopes. <laughs> Open one of them on each of seven sequential Margarita Mondays. <laughs> Do not open them on Margarita and Taco Tuesday. Mm -mm. And that's, that's for you, my son or daughter. 
or well, Jack Crusher's non-binary Jack child. Crusher's choices were a little bit more uh, on the ball, and he's definitely just trying to talk about what kind of a father he wants to be and like how he sees his own family within his son's face, and just trying to like it's like chapter one of all these videos he's going to create, and I. I really appreciate right. that they gave him the voice of someone who doesn't know is going to die. Like he never, not that he would, but like they were really very good about being like, you'll see me now when I'm older and I'll look different and stuff like that. He never got that. This episode. I wasn't really... crying while you guys oh, were God. sitting here waiting for me to finish the episode. <laughs> it was so you good. were. <laughs> um, this episode in particular, not only highlighted the regular ensemble cast, but had these great moments for these like day players like that person who got to record this incredible monologue uh, and did a really great job. But also, you know, we, we went into it, the parents for Wharf and then uh, who will meet at the vineyard too. It's just a lot of acting. The good actings came out. They hired them good guest stars. Mm. And um, yeah, he talked, he also apologized for the mistakes he was yet to make. Yeah. That's really sweet. And that's the closest thing to, Mm. yeah to like feeling like something that was written for somebody who was going to die, but it's also so good that I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He also apologized because he said, Starfleet means so much to me, and maybe you're going to be wearing one of the, trying on one of these uniforms someday too. And he's wearing it already. Yeah. And he touches it. Oh. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) Canon question for you, Xander. Was Crusher in Starfleet at that time? She was, right? Yeah. Right. Because uh, if you noticed on the kit too, it said uh, the Stargazer. Stargazer, right. So... He must. He was with Jean Luc, and one can assume that Beverly was like the doctor on the Stargazer well, then, or something like that. They didn't meet right till oh. this mm-hmm. ship. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they met oh. at because Jack's it was funeral. awkward. Yeah, the, they oh, mentioned Picard. that in the okay. first episode or something like Yo, that. Yeah, sorry, gotcha, I said, gotcha. but she she was in Starfleet, but she wasn't on that ship probably because she was taking care of that right. baby. <laughs> I would imagine, or so, or working on wherever they were. Taking care of babies. <laughs> You're right. They have drones for that in the future. She's a doctor. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. true. Doctors take care of children. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, she was probably on maternity leave. Wait, yeah, just because it's the future doesn't mean they can't take care of children. I'm not saying it's her sole responsibility, Becca. She's still a doctor. Rosie the robot does that. Right. Oh, oh, Jetson's lore. And <laughs> <laughs> he's not the same canon? Yeah. Um, but we do, so we have the final, like, big chunk with Picard. And we also see, I think, Star Trek taking some risks with, like, their ratings, too. Because we get, like, arrogant son of a cutaway. Like, they're, uh. they're really playing to, like, the adult crowd. And it's a heavy episode anyway, so it's not necessarily for the kids. But I was like... Oh, they're, they're skirting the line on some of this stuff of, like, FCC complaints. Well, they're trying to get personal, right? And the only way to do that yeah. is a little cussing. Right. It's like someone's showing emotion. Uh, no, I, no. Are, are we getting into it? Because I love that scene. I love the banter. And I, that kid had impeccable time. He <laughs> was a cute little lad. Well, let's go to the top of this. So The wee lad was a cute one. <laughs> we already talked about the scene between Troy and Picard at the very beginning. I love that he still kind of has the scars on his face, too. That was a nice little continuity. Oh, I didn't even notice Just in that. the first scene, there's like a little bit of a spot there still, which I thought was a great choice. I was too busy looking at the cylinder duffel bag, which I <laughs> That's want. what I was going to say. So he's packing up all all of his stuff and he gets this little purse and he puts in his pants it's, and this, yeah. like, his harem pants and his little shirt yep and then thinks about the book he the didn't books. pack anything except his starfleet uniform there and even then he had to suck out all the air <laughs> it, 
It's this tiny little cylinder. I know. I love it. Xander was talking before we were recording about trying to find that online, and I don't think it exists. I saw a few Etsy oh, listings. Oh, really? That were, they were already sold mm, out and ridiculously yeah. priced. But Were I they lo- in reference to this episode? And they apparently make further appearances. Excellent. And I was like, I want this duffel. <laughs> okay, well. Well, it needs to be a duffel because uh, the plastic cylinder it was offers no expansion for clothes. A duffel, like, it needs that right. fabric. That's just what I called that's, that style yeah, that's of bag, nice, yeah. but yeah. It's a duffel tube. Tube. It goes into the hydro, hydro, <laughs> whatever. The vacuum what tube? Called? Hydraulic, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, he goes down to France and visits, is it the Chateau Picard? Is that what, that's the name of their wine, right? Wow. Yeah, and I would assume that the Chateau the is place. also called mm-hmm. that. Beautiful spot, and he runs into Rene. Now, we know... Picard doesn't like kids, but I love this interaction because he's not a jerk to the kid, but he's a little dismissive at first. He is very good with kids in this scene. Actually, it's counterintuitive to his not liking kids, which I guess Mm. he's just over now. But there is the funniest scene where he says, oh, no, it's a highwayman coming to rob me. Yeah. 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 I'm not. We don't have thievery because we figured out basic income. So that's not a thing. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm safe then. Yeah. I may have implied some of that text. Well, I like that you looked for the playfulness of it, but as I remember, the delivery is a little more stone-faced, too. He, like, defines what a highwayman is to him and yeah. stuff like that. But you're right. He's he's growing out of it. And I also thought that, like, they didn't write him to be gruff towards him, which we were all kind of sick of anyway, right, when he was just demeaning to Wesley. It, we've seen uh, this being, like, the softening of Picard because he doesn't have to be the gruff one because we have Robert. Like a grape being stumped after two brothers go wrestling. Oh my gosh. So before that even happens, we <laughs> even get an re- introduction to Robert. And he has like an attempt at what a human would eat a grape like. <laughs> he sort of manhandles this bunch of grapes and then squishes them in his fingers and then sort of licks them for a bit and smears them on his chin. And it's like, how does one eat a grape? He is healing his vines. This is his way. Why do you think the 67 is such a fine wine? Because he he man, he manhandled every grape in yeah. that You can taste bunch. the palm sweat in each grape. <laughs> yeah, he did spit on each grape. This is the 24th century sommelier tactic, I think, is to yeah. get your hands on all of them. Well, you talked about the arrogant son of a bitch thing, which is very mm-hmm. cute, of this kid stopping himself short saying, error. Error. You know what what I mean. (laughs) Arrogant? Am I arrogant? Yeah. Yeah, Very cute. But then he meets his sister-in-law for the first time. Picard meets his sister-in-law, Marie, who he's never met in person. You know, there could have been a whole other plot line where he whisks Marie off her feet. But I like that they didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was nice to have that friendship. Yeah, we need to repair this relationship, not have Picard steal his brother's wife. (laughs) Okay, yeah. well, you write your show. I have my own headcanon. Uh, <laughs> but we find out at the end that Marie has been writing him letters to keep him mm-hmm. up to date on the family news for years, which is very touching. That's a great sister-in-law. Like, I don't know. I, I, I hear you, Becca. I also don't know why she likes Robert. I don't see any right. attraction any to him whatsoever. She has a child with him. Yeah, that must be it. Because he's such a creep. <laughs> like, or not a creep. He he's a jerk. Um, he's a grape. Yeah. 
But I I have known farmers like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Someone who is like salt of the earth. They're, they're very like salty against in the technology. Earth. Salty on the earth. Uh, salty and, on the earth. And there's like a stability to it, and a, maybe I don't know an attraction to to that manliness. Or it's this thing of. I swear they didn't suck so much when I married them. They just <laughs> turned into a really bitter old man. Yeah. I think it's when your body starts hurting yeah. and you just lash out at everyone and everything, especially because your brother hasn't written you a letter in years. And your liver's pickled from all the wine you've been drinking, probably. Oh, pickled liver. Now that sounds tasty. Mmm, and French. <laughs> uh, so- uh Brothers don't like each other too much, though. They don't like each other too good. And it's pretty mm-hmm. obvious from the outset. Like, there's just a lot of short, curt, hello, how you do, and, and we'll have dinner at eight, kind of. Yeah. It's the grumpy old men reboot? Yeah. <laughs> and at dinner, we find out that the main conflict between these two brothers is that one uh, believes in technology and the other thinks technology is the downfall of society. And you know what? Robert's kind of right. Um, just saying. Wow, bold I mean, stance. I'm in it. Here we are. Look, sure. I I made a overlay for hours today, <laughs> but I could have been squishing <laughs> grapes between my fingers somewhere. You could have. This is the downfall mm. for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there was also, we get into it a little bit later on, but there was a sort of jealousy of what would it be like if your little brother was this like heroic starship captain and you had to take on the family vineyard. Like, to see your work as less important than your like little brother or anyone in and your isn't family. Isn't that really what we're fighting about with this whole technology discussion? Like, does he really is he really that adverse to the new ways? Or did he embrace this lifestyle to be a counter to his brother who went off into the stars aboard the starship, right? And had all the glory. Well, an interesting point that uh, I will say it is about more than that is this shitty thing he does to Marie, which is refuse to get a replicator. <laughs> it's like shitty. the 1950s and saying, no, I won't buy her a dishwasher because yeah. I like that she does it by hand. If, you're, if your hands aren't dry and cracked from doing all my dishes, then you're not a good you wife. You just said technology was the downfall of society. <laughs> well, replicators well. are fine. I mean, you're right. He has, they've lived this crappy, not a crappy life. They've lived a restricted life because of his uh, unwillingness to embrace new technology, right? And like the same with, I guess. go ahead. The technology of Star Trek is not the downfall of society. Our technology is the downfall (laughs) of society because it's come at the cost of uh, real social interaction in the sense that like the anonymity that is so prevalent Mm. online that's the downfall of society. Clarification. Once done. they stopped having people transfer like information across the ship and instead had them walk the data pad over physically and say hello right. to the person mm-hmm. you're giving it to. A lot of problems solved. Yeah. Exactly. And Facebook being I mean, really, eliminated in 2022 was great, you know. Jesus hoping. Christ. Yeah. The, the well they're not plagued by society full of po- propaganda in the same way we are. So Yeah. Certain planets, Certain for planets sure. are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Certain planets still but have overall, Facebook, is what we're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Overall, they can agree on a collective truth. It turns out that's a very old argument they're having, as Marie wisely calls out to say, all right, guys, we don't have to do this every single conversation, do we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that moment. It, all of these were very, like, from each of the different storylines, we get vignettes that, like, a person who has had family experiences can relate mm-hmm. to. Like, we've had that experience at a table of, like, just don't bring up that yes. thing. Can we just today? 
<laughs> you know and it's I mean? funny how we all know it's going to get brought up because even when we're not bringing it up, we're revolving around it, right? Yeah, yeah, or tiptoeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, what was it? Picard was tried the wine. He's like, "Is this forty six? And Robert's like, "It's forty seven, you idiot." We're like, a yeah, year. Yeah, Obviously, your palate has degraded. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, synthahol makes you truly appreciate the real deal. That's right. If you have there so much synthahol, synthahol, you're gonna love the real stuff. And he yeah. does. Because <laughs> you can actually feel inebriated. Yeah, it lets you lose control. And yeah. they do. Before we talk about the wrestling. Uh, <laughs> I think we have. <laughs> well, we've talked a lot about it, but not not about the emotional center of that scene, which sure. is excellent. But we also meet his old friend, Louis, Picard's oh, old yeah. friend, Louis. Louis. The, one of the supervisors of Project Atlantis, have you heard? He's just gotten supervisor. <laughs> and it turns out there's like 250 supervisors yeah. or something. I love that <laughs> twist. Also, doesn't this sound like an, a supervillain plot? He's going to like raise totally. the tectonic floor of the ocean or something like that? Yeah, some Ooh. continent's going to get flooded. We will make our own continent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is kind of like uh, one of the solutions to climate change being proposed today, which is, well, how about we just spray our own ozone in the atmosphere and we can keep polluting? Yeah. Sure. Let's raise the ocean floor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, interestingly, when he when he was like, we just haven't quite figured it out. Picard's like, you know, we actually did this in a previous episode. He's like, look, we really need you. Can I send you the paperwork? He's like, he's about to explain what he did. Wait, don't you have to confer with 199 other uh, commanders (laughs) here? Supervisors. But also, I related so hard to Picard in the moment where uh, Luis comes back and says, like, okay, we've set it all up. There's a meeting tomorrow morning for you and all of the supervisors, da-da-da, to explain your plan. And he's like, what? I just said, like, I would talk to you for a second. And I've been there. I'm like, what did I agree to? Wait, Wait, I have to go into that podium now? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That makes it even ballsier that he canceled. Dude doesn't give a fuck. He's in Starfleet. You think I give a shit about Earth? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm not. Raise tectonic floors all the time in space. Right. But it is pretty wild that he even considered because all we've seen is that Starfleet is Picard's life. Mm -hmm. This is everything: exploration, learning what's out there. Also, architecture, reading the classics, and hating children, but um, (laughs) these are the core elements of him. That's all he's got. Which I think is a testament to how traumatized he is and how he's burying it from his past experience, right? If only someone could dig it up. (laughs) Like a vine that doesn't grow right. (laughs) Okay. This withering vine needs my help. You just gotta check it right. (laughs) Rub it all on your skin. It's in the juices. (laughs) Uh, Something we we didn't mention, which was another part of that dinner conversation, was that Renee wrote a report about starships or something like that and got a ribbon for it. And Picard's like, oh, I used to do that too. I don't remember if I got a ribbon. And Robert's like, yeah, you got the ribbon. Of course you can. You got a fucking ribbon. You arrogant son of a... I burned that ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> but we also, we learned that Marie is a very good cook. And so, you know, it would be hard to to justify the replicator if I had an amazing French cook that would. <laughs> she would be the one programming these That's recipes, true. though. She can put in her precise measurements. Mm. She's a prisoner of her own skill. Ugh. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> anyway, mud wrestling. Well, yeah. yeah. So it's not just, what, I, what was my point of that was it's not just about Robert and Jean-Luc. It's also about Jean-Luc's, like, influence on sure. Renee a little bit. 
Even from afar. Even from afar. Yeah, and on the whole village, they want to like throw a parade. Right. For oh, that's him. that's right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, I'm not a parade guy. Yeah, yeah, that really ticks him off. <laughs> yeah, he hates parades. Yeah. Too many children in one place. Mm. You know, there's a parallel between the father that Lee or the um, father figure that leaves an impression in his absence between Renee and Wesley. Well, and also with Worf and his parents, his father, too, you can see it like, I have the schematics of the ship, but he's so excited to be there and be a part of his life and stuff like that. We saw three different examples of like a father figure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when like even even Robert like calls out Picard, he's like, when you have a son, yeah. you raise him the way you want to. And Picard has no, uh, you know, response to that because he doesn't have a son and it's not his kid, but he still has an opinion about how he's raised. But- we come down to the core of the issue that perhaps Picard came here to be comforted by Robert and seek that guidance like he did as a kid because he's reverted back to that scared Jean-Luc that he was before. Yes, I love that that takeaway because, well, let's just describe the scene. They're walking through the vineyard and uh, they have a tussle. Oh, they've had some wine first. They're drinking. Notably, they drank the good stuff that gets you out of control. Uh, and, and so once they're out of control, I, I didn't think whatever line Robert said to anger Deserves. Jean-Luc really deserved a punch, but it got one. And they yeah. go rolling through the, the fields and get covered in mud. It's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, and, and they realize that mid-tussle. <laughs> And while completely soaked in mud, just start laughing. Yeah. And that vulnerability is what needed to happen for Picard to break down and see his brother and have his brother see him as if they're children again. And Robert says, what the devil happened? I know on the, I know the, the plot points of what happened. I don't know what happened to you. And, um, and, and we do see great acting in the mud. Ugh. I cried. Uh, Picard gives up, as you just said, that child Jean-Luc. And I think Robert hates adult Jean-Luc because adult Jean-Luc doesn't need him. He can't be an older brother to this strong captain that doesn't, that Mm -hmm. he probably thinks Mm -hmm. looks down on him because he does. Literally and figuratively, right? Yeah. I agree about the punch. It did seem to be a little bit strong, but I think if we remember the trauma and the PTSD that he's probably sitting in. And before this, when before they stomped out into the vineyard, I think Picard was like drinking inside and they were talking about loss of control with alcohol Mm -hmm. and Robert pushes him. He's like, Yeah, I'd like to see a captain get out of control. What happened to you up there? And he actually he does it like the second or third time. He's like, What happened? And Picard doesn't want to talk about the specifics of it. So he pushed Picard to this edge and then we get this tussle. Like a brother knows how to do. Yeah. <laughs> if only Troy could mud wrestle and punch Picard, she'd get that real dirt. I'd Put her in the that. holodeck. Now we're getting into my fan fiction. But the thing is, <laughs> is that I was so appreciative of um, Patrick Stewart's ability to deliver this monologue while caked in mud. Because so it's good. hard. And crying. Yeah, and, yeah. Ugh. It's hard to see through that and see his emotions that he's, play- he's still playing it so well that we still do get it. And so it's very impressive. Uh him, him breaking down. I think it's easier to act covered in mud. You don't have to think about what to do with Noted your hands. Noted, Becca, as the director, I will keep that in mind. Uh, Oof. 
But <laughs> honestly, it's like having a prop, though. Well, sure, it's a sure. mask in a lot of ways, too. And when yeah. he exactly. gets to talk about uh, what happened and how he was technically in charge of the Borg and the Borg were doing things and he couldn't stop them. And he tried so <sighs> hard and it was, of course, his resistance was futile, right? Yeah, I mean, trigger alert, but this it actually feels parallel to sexual abuse. Sure, yes, uh, violation. My body was not my own. When mm. uh, when the writers and executive producers were trying to pitch this to the rest of the uh, the writing staff and stuff, one of I think it was Michael Pillar said, you know, Picard has kind of been raped in some ways because of the way the Borg took over him and just made him do what they wanted, and his trauma from that needs to like be dealt with. We can't just go back to another serialized episode of Star Trek after that. We need to resolve it. They, they could, could have, have but, it, but they didn't. That's yeah. a very yeah. astute observation mm -hmm. on their part, uh, yeah. especially when it wasn't talked about and understood and sympathized with in the same way mm. that it is, you know, after the Me Too mm -hmm. movement has happened. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of men who never thought too much about it have been forced to confront the idea of, of what that trauma yeah. does. Man, yeah, you can't just go back to a serial episode immediately, although I'm sure we will at some point, but I, I'm glad that they gave it this attention. But this, this mm -hmm. dropping of Picard's kind of uh, defenses a little bit shows Robert that, oh, wait, he is human after all. He did experience humility like I thought he needed to. Plus, even phrasing it that way, it seems like that's what Picard needed to hear, is that you are not Borg. You are human after all. And I think that's what he was looking for. God, there is something sick and twisted in the fact that Robert like needed him to be weak in that way to mm -hmm. see him as his brother. But that's Robert's flaw too. It's yeah. like he doesn't know how to help people except from a position of the older brother, which that's his that's his issue. And he also he doesn't treat his family well and, and he's only treating them with from an authority standpoint. And so he's got to learn that too, mm. hopefully. They pull each other up out of the mud and uh, clap each other on the back and things are And then poor better. Marie. <laughs> They make a big old mess of that beautiful house. She doesn't even have an automatic floor cleaner. No, <laughs> she's got to do all that by hand. Yeah, you know Robert's not helping for shit. Instead so of the what? credits being in space, it's just the credits playing over her hand washing the Deep floor. Deep sigh. Yeah. Scrubbing the fine furniture they were sitting on. Yeah, yeah. The stain will never come out. But they, they have a very touching, beautiful hug that resolves yes. uh, as Picard packs up his tiny cylinder and a little French kiss, pack and too. Goes on his way. Oh, yeah, that was so nice. I don't think that's what you mean when you say French kiss. French kiss, <laughs> but, but yes, there was a kiss. You're, you're right. Cheek, kiss. cheek kisses. Yeah, you're right. I didn't mean that. <laughs> it was touching, though, the French yeah. kissing yeah. between brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, one thing we didn't quite resolve when we were talking about um, the Worf storyline was their resolution scene. Did we mm. even mention that? Because Hi. They just get on. They just get on the holodeck. But or it's a transporter. Or a transporter. Well, no, but it's before that. They they come to his quarters at one point, sure. right? And they come to quarters and they say, "Hey, look, we need to talk about the discommendation." And he's like, "Right, That's something I need to go through by myself." And then you know he he actually changes and he admits, "Okay, I didn't want you to come here, but now I'm kind of glad you showed up." And yeah. they're like, "We read your letters and we understand. We don't. We can't understand, but." We want to, and we're here for you. And that's when he realizes that, oh, just because they're limited to not understanding doesn't mean they can't try and be loving in that way. Yeah. And I think that was a lesson that Worf has never learned before. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So many people finally understanding other perspectives in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, great. It's a yeah. good, solid episode. It was really good. I was not ready to enjoy it as much as I did. I remember this being like the the backstory episode, but that right, was right. a 12-year-old Jake not liking it. And yeah. uh, adult Jake really appreciated all of this. <laughs> yeah. 12-year-old Jake doesn't know anything. <laughs> I bet he wants to go have his own starship someday, too. Yeah. What a, maybe someday. The little lad dreaming <laughs> under the stars. Yeah, we end the episode with Renee not coming inside, Aww. just sitting under a tree, staring up at what may be awaiting him in the stars. I kind of got a little emotional at that end, too, just because was Robert cute. was finally not being a jerk about things. And yeah. just like, let's let him be out there for a little while longer. Also, because he understood his brother wasn't trying to make this happen. Mm -hmm. yeah. The last thing he said to the kid was, okay, we'll think about other career options. And yeah. maybe Robert had a moment of inspiration where he realized... If I keep telling this kid he can't do this, that's he's the only thing that. he's going to want to do. Well, all in all, I'd say um, I like Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> oh, what a coincidence. Me yeah. too. Uh, third. So we're, we're all yeah. on the same page. Uh, that was the episode Family. And next week we'll be back for another somewhat familiar episode. It's Brothers, the third episode Ooh. of the fourth season. This one is about Commander Data, who aborts an emergency mission and hijacks the Enterprise in response to a homing command from his father. <gasps> oh dun, dun, dun. my God! More family matters. I literally cannot well, wait. You'll have to for a whole <laughs> week, but we'll see you then. Let's set course for next week. Engage. Engage.